0: Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I'd like to welcome everyone today and especially our guests today. We are so glad to have you in this service today. If it's your first or your second time with us, we invite you to stop by our back area for a small token of appreciation for being here. If you're joining us online today, wherever you may be watching from, we welcome you as a part of this service. In Jesus' name, pray that you are blessed by it. My wife introduced herself. Brother Burnell Jr. said he was going to introduce me this morning. So uh, I'm David Wright, and she's the pastor's wife, and I think I'm the pastor. So hopefully absence makes the heart grow fonder. Thank you for that reaffirming response. It was very moving, touching. <laughs> Whoops, that backfired. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, it's been a very busy month. Thankfully, it's changed and uh, you're stuck with me for a while now. So, amen. Okay, so you sort of redeemed yourself. Praise God. You can be seated. I'm quite sure that at least all the adults and even the teenagers are aware that it's Memorial Day weekend, and not to insult anyone's intelligence, but... Memorial Day, it was originally called Decoration Day from the early tradition of decorating graves with flowers, wreaths, and flags. Memorial Day is a day for remembrance of those who have died in service to our country. It was first widely observed on May 30th, 1868 to commemorate the sacrifices of Civil War soldiers by proclamation of General John A. Logan of the Grand Army of the Republic, an organization of former Union sailors and soldiers. And we do today give honor and celebrate all of those that gave their lives so that we can be here today in this great country that we are a part of. Amen. It's not a perfect country. In fact, it's far from a perfect country. What's kind of interesting to me is in the midst of all of our imperfections, People are still trying to find somehow a way to get in, and few people are trying to find out how to get out. I love all those wonderful celebrities that make their threats that if a certain person gets elected to president, they're moving. They're a bunch of liars. I wish some of them would have kept their word. Because hopefully it would have lessened a little bit of their influence on their society because we don't need it. It's kind of funny how much they say they're going to leave if so-and-so gets elected and they don't because they know it may not be their choice, but there's no other place better to be. I haven't traveled as much as some, but I've traveled a lot more than others, and I can tell you I have never one time been disappointed that it was time to come home. Saw some great sights, experienced some great things, but there's no place like home. So again, we honor the many people who sacrificed for us to be able to enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy today. It's called Memorial Day, a memorial. We're fairly familiar with memorials. We see them throughout town. We see them in various places in Washington, D.C. Of Especially you can find many memorials. Two of perhaps the most commonly known memorials in Washington, D.C. is the Lincoln Memorial and the Jefferson Memorial. And the Lincoln Memorial inscribed above... The statue of President Lincoln, it says, In this temple, as in the hearts of the people for whom he saved the Union, the memory of Abraham Lincoln is enshrined forever. Beneath these words, the 16th President of the United States, the great emancipator and preserver of the nation during the Civil War, sits immortalized in marble. Just a short distance from that is the Jefferson Memorial that pays tribute to one of our most significant founding fathers and the primary author of the Declaration of Independence. A memorial is intended to be a continual and ongoing reminder of something that was done, something that was accomplished. Uh, there there are those like Jefferson and Lincoln who, in essence, the memorial stands not with regards to a specific tragedy, but more so to the accomplishments that they had. While Lincoln's life ended abruptly in assassination, he still lived a fairly full life. I happened to come across a couple of days ago, just earlier this week, as I was scrolling through Facebook, an individual that used to be a part of this church that moved away that was giving a... Uh, speech, if you will, in the church they now attend in light of Memorial Day. They served in Vietnam, and uh, they shared the story of how when they arrived in Vietnam, they found, I think it was almost, I mean, it was like one of the first days there, if not the first day, met a fellow soldier who was also from Baltimore and grew up a few streets away from this guy, and they didn't even know each other. And just within the next day or two, that individual lost his life. I I I appreciate, we appreciate the sacrifices that have been made for us to be here. And I don't want this to sound in any way disparaging or disrespectful, but while many have willingly gave their lives... I don't think that was their plan or dream. I don't know any soldier that goes off to war with the hopes that they will not return. In fact, it's quite the opposite. You say your goodbyes with the expectation, I'm going, but I'm coming back. And so many memorials pay tribute to those whose lives were lost Unexpectedly, but, as with Lincoln and Jefferson and many others, there are also many other memorials that it 's not about somebody who lost a life in uh, tragedy or or sacrificed their lives it's it 's about those that accomplished great things it 's about those whose lives had some kind of great impact, maybe on a certain part of society or 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 on a certain uh, uh, campaign or, or, or something to improve something there. They had such a significant impact that a memorial has been created for their memory. There are buildings that are built. It's not uncommon. I know in missions work that Bible schools will be constructed and the name will be put on there and of an individual that was, was a, a very key part of the building of that Bible school, either by their labor in that country or by the giving of funds, and so it will be named the so-and-so memorial whatever. I, I don't know about you, but I don't have a lot of expectations that I am going to accomplish anything of significance that's going to get the world's attention that there will be a memorial built for me. I am not volunteering my life to be able to get a memorial. I read an article the other day that was sent to several folks, group email, and it was of a Navy SEAL who was just, I think, just a couple of days ago, awarded the Medal of Honor for service in Afghanistan. And in the article he made the statement he would willingly give back, give up the medal if he could exchange it for the other lives that were lost. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm not volunteering for any memorials. But I would like my life to matter. I would like there to be something that outlives me. I would like there to be something that goes beyond me. And so today, for just a few moments, I've come to challenge or encourage perhaps someone today that no, you may not be a prospect for a memorial to be built to you, to be a reminder of your accomplishments, but let me show you something that's really a little more significant than the memorials that I have mentioned. In Matthew chapter 26, beginning with verse number 6, it says, When Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box, a very precious ointment, and poured it on his head and As he sat at meat, but when the disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, to what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Why is she wasting something of value? Why is she taking something that has value that could be sold to accomplish something else? And she is just essentially wasting it away. Jesus replies and says, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For you have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. For in that she hath poured the ointment on my body. She did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached, in the whole world, if I might add, for all of time. So it's not only wherever, or it's not just wheresoever this gospel is preached, it's also whenever this gospel is preached. Jesus says that this, that this woman hath done, will be told for a memorial of her. I don't think she had any great ideas or plans that day of what she was about to do was going to be of such significance that Jesus was going to respond the way he did to say that wherever this gospel gets preached, there is going to be a memorial, a reminder of what she did. We celebrate Jefferson, we celebrate Lincoln, but... They've only been around a relatively short period of time. Those of you that have ever had the opportunity to travel to Europe in particular, you travel there and when you go there and you see buildings that are older than our country, you realize we have not been around very long. So while it may seem like a long time since Lincoln and Jefferson lived, in comparison to a woman who showed up one day where Jesus was with just an alabaster box that had some precious ointment and poured it on him, and here we are, here I am, fulfilling the prophecy that Jesus made because today I tell you of the woman... That Jesus said, this will be a memorial unto her for all of time. It is, if I'm not mistaken, based on my study and understanding, I believe this to be a parallel passage in the book of Luke. It would be kind of odd to think that there was more than one person that had an alabaster box, that brought it and broke it and anointed Jesus. So if you go to Luke chapter 7, Luke gives his rendering of this story, but Luke gives a few details that were not given by Matthew. Luke chapter 7 and verse 36, it says... So Matthew says Simon the leper, but here it says one of the Pharisees desired him that he should eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. It is is assumed that Matthew's description of Simon the leper is an indicator that Simon was a leper that Jesus had healed. For those of you that may not know much about leprosy, Jesus would, or, Jesus would have, but everybody else would not have been at dinner at the house of a leper. In fact, the leper got banished to the leper colony and the leper had to walk down the street and yell out, unclean, unclean. And as they did that, people would scatter out of the way because they did not want to have any contact with the leper. So when Matthew says that he was at Simon the leper's house, it is is more than likely that Jesus had healed Simon. But again, Luke says a Pharisee desired that he would eat with him. Verse number 37, And behold, a woman in the city... Now notice what Luke says that Matthew didn't say. A sinner. There's several different, or I say several, there's one at least, thought of what kind of sinner she was. That basically being a prostitute. So she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisees' house. She brought an alabaster box of ointment. It is also thought that the reason she knew that Jesus was at this house is because she had a connection to this house and was now an outcast from this house. And so she hears that Jesus is there and brings this alabaster box of ointment and she stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner it's kind of funny we we categorize sinners well she's a sinner he's a sinner but i'm a good person so i'm not a sinner The Bible clearly takes care of that when it tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So leave it to a Pharisee to point out somebody else as being a sinner. If Jesus knew, if he really knew, if he really was a prophet, he would know who this woman was. And so the implication is, if he knew who she was, he would not allow her to do what she's doing. And yet he says in Matthew 26, what she has done is going to be remembered to whoever the gospel gets preached to i i don 't want to i don 't want to take liberties with the scripture that 's my sincere desire as a preacher, as a pastor to be as absolutely close and accurate with the Word of God as possible. So at the risk of a little bit of interpretation, but I think we'll be okay. I think it's kind of safe to imagine, in particular based on what Luke says of this woman, based on the reputation that she obviously had, based on the opinions of those that knew her, based on their reaction to what she did. The, the disciples say, we could, we could use that and sell that and make some money and bless the, the poor, but the Pharisee said, if you know, if he really knew who she was. I think it's fairly safe to say she probably didn't have a whole lot. I, I doubt that she was living a life of luxury. Based on the response to her coming into this house and doing what she did, obviously there were those that looked down on her. In particular, those that really knew her. I'm not all that bothered by what people think about me that I don't really know. I'm not really all that bothered by the opinions of those I am not that familiar with. But when it comes to friends and especially to my family and especially my immediate family, I greatly value what they think and what they feel about me. And so apparently those closest to her did not think a whole lot of her. And so I think it would be fairly safe to say that this alabaster box of precious ointment was probably her prized possession. It was probably the thing that she held on to to give some degree of value and comfort to a life that didn't really have a whole lot of value. Nobody really understood, I don't think, besides Jesus, what was going on when she did what she did. And I don't think anybody understood besides Jesus what she was communicating by what she did. That she was willing to take the very best that she had. You see, the Pharisee was able to invite him to dinner and put on a great spread. Because that's what he had the ability to do. She didn't have the means to invite him to her house for dinner. She did not have the means to put on the same kind of spread that was being put on in the Pharisee's house. All she had was an alabaster box of precious ointment. Overshadowed by a pretty bad reputation. But she decides not, I don't think, with any images of greatness or any any dreams of what it was going to accomplish for the future. She just decides, I'm going to take what I have. And I'm going to do what I can do. And she shows up at the house of the Pharisee and begins to pour that precious ointment on Jesus. And those sitting around who had more and could do more looked on her with disgust. But Jesus replies and says what she has done is going to become a memorial that from now on, wherever the gospel gets preached... She is going to be remembered. I don't think the Pharisee is mentioned here with the purpose of giving the Pharisee credit for getting Jesus to his house for dinner. That's not the purpose of the story here. The purpose of telling us about the Pharisee is ultimately to get us to the woman with the alabaster box who was willing to give what she had. I think I preached to somebody today that you are intimidated by those around you and what they have and what they can give. And the response to that normally is to withdraw and to just hang on to what we have because in comparison to everybody else it doesn't seem like very much but there is an example from scripture 2,000 years ago that is a challenge to you and I today that it might be just an alabaster box of precious ointment but if that's all you've got and that's all you can give. That's enough for Him. If you do a search in a concordance of the word memorial, you will find it many times in the Old Testament. There were things that the children of Israel did and were supposed to do to be a memorial, it was to be a reminder, and one of the one of the primary times that I know of is when they were going to cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land. They were instructed to take twelve stones, and they were instructed to to uh, stack those stones to be a reminder. In fact, it says. The Lord says, I want you to do this because in generations to come, I want your children to see that and I want them to ask you about that so that you can then tell them what I've done. But I only see, I may have missed it, but I only see two instances where God, was the instigator of the memorial. In the Old Testament, it's more about the responsibility of the people to create a memorial, to be a reminder of what God did. But I find two places where God was the one that makes the memorial. I've read to you one. The second one I find in Acts chapter 10 and verse number 1, and it says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. He was a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming in unto him and saying, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Your prayers, your giving, your life has become a memorial before God. There is a continual reminder to God of you. He was a Roman centurion. That means he was a soldier in the Roman army. But the memorial that was built for Cornelius was not a memorial to his military accomplishments. It was not a memorial because of the battles that he had won in leading his army. The memorial that Cornelius had to his life was a memorial that God had established to be a reminder of the life that Cornelius lived. The encouraging thing to me about this memorial is the fact that there is no individual who is incapable of doing what Cornelius did to get his memorial. It wasn't his accomplishments. It wasn't his military expertise that got him a memorial. I'll never lead an army. I'll never conquer a new territory but I can do what Cornelius did that got God's attention, that caused God to say, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before me. There's nothing about this that specifically says there's to be a memorial, but I find it interesting that It wasn't some wealthy person who had the means to provide enough food to feed 5,000 plus people. It wasn't some caterer who was able to handle large crowds that Jesus went to when there was a multitude who was hungry and Needed something to eat. It was just a young boy. Just a young boy. Who perhaps that morning was about to leave the house. For a day outside. When people used to go outside. When people used to do stuff outside. Outside. When punishment was having to come in instead of punishment now being you 've got to go out I, I I kind of imagine I kind of imagine him leaving the house that morning, and as he was about to walk out the house, his mother says, "Here, take this," and she hands him his David and Goliath lunchbox. I I don't like stuff in my pockets. I don't like carrying stuff. I, I I don't like I don't like stuff. And I can imagine that little boy kind of being that way. In fact, I can kind of imagine him giving his mother a little bit of lip. Mom! I'm trying to go play. I don't want to have to carry that. I don't want to worry about a lunchbox. No, you leaving this house. You're taking this with you. I can sort of see him walking out of the house, swinging it in anger. You see, he had absolutely no clue, no idea that what seemed to be an inconvenience to the plans of his day was a divine setup. His, the King James says loaves. You and I have one idea of loaves. They weren't loaves. They were basically biscuits. And it also says plainly they were two small fishes. So he had five biscuits and two small fishes. That was probably just enough to feed him. It seemed like just enough for him. But what he did not know was five loaves and two fishes was just enough to take care of 5,000 plus people. You may not be a caterer today that can feed a banquet of thousands of people, but if you've walked into this place and you've got five loaves and two fishes, if you're willing to take whatever it is you have, no matter how small or insignificant it may be, and give it to the Master, it's enough. I believe that somewhere in this sanctuary today is probably someone that could relate to the woman that showed up to Simon the leper's house. Maybe you don't have the greatest of reputations. Maybe you're not looked on with the greatest of fondness by your family and those around you. You've only got a few valuable possessions that you've... Hold on to. If an alabaster box, if an alabaster box with a little bit of an oint, little bit of ointment poured on Jesus was enough that two thousand years later, 2,000 years later, she is still being talked about. And I've come to tell you whatever it is you have, if you just be willing to give it, it's enough to be worthy of a memorial. You don't have to have some great accomplishment. You don't have to have some great achievements. Your life doesn't have to have some successes that get you on the front of the magazines at the checkout line at the grocery store so that the world knows your name. But if you just take what you have... Somebody please hear me this morning. Please hear me this morning. Whatever you have is enough. Whatever you have is enough. The question is not, do you have enough? The only question is this, what are you going to do with what you have? If that young boy would have showed up with the crowd and kept what he had because it's only enough for me and it can't really do that much, then we would not be talking about him today. If the woman with the alabaster box of precious ointment would have just stayed off to herself and hung on to what was valuable to her But she felt like was not good enough for anybody else. We wouldn't be talking about her today. But she decided. It's not much. The big scheme of things. It's nothing all that significant. But it's what I have. And it's what I can give. And Jesus says. Wherever. This gospel gets preached. What she has done will be a memorial for her. Would you just close your eyes, bow your heads right where you're sitting? Whatever, whatever you have today is enough. Whatever you have is enough. It's not that you've got to sit and wait until you're able to gather up equal to what someone else has or what someone else can do. It's simply a matter of you taking what you have and giving it to Him. I wonder, whether guest or faithful member, I wonder if there's anybody that has something today that it may seem extremely small and insignificant to you. But like the woman with the alabaster box, you're willing to pour it out on Him today as your offering of what you are able to do that if you'd be willing right now as uncomfortable perhaps as it might be for some i don't think it was very comfortable for her to push her way into the house where the meal was taking place to do what she did because she was not welcome there but at least you're welcomed here Anybody this morning that you've got an alabaster box that you'd like to come present to Him today? Anybody got five loaves and two fishes this morning that doesn't appear to be very much in comparison to the need, but you're willing to take what you have and give it to Him? You don't have to be a centurion today who's able to fight great battles and have great military accomplishments if you can. You can just pray. You can just give of what you have. That's enough for a memorial. That's enough. That's enough to get his attention. That's enough for him to create the reminder for there to be an ongoing representation of what was done oh i believe I, I believe i'm preaching to some folks in this place today that the enemy has got you trying to get you to believe that What you have is so insignificant. What you you can do is so small. But what God's attitude towards what you have is, He's saying, just give me what you got. Just bring me what you can bring me. Just give me what you have. I'm not asking you to give me what somebody else has. I'm not asking you to have to measure up to somebody else's accomplishments. I just want you to give me what you can give me. It's enough. It's enough. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You don't need to respond for yourself right now. Would you be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit of the Lord? You don't need to pray for yourself right now. That's fine. Would you be sensitive to the Lord to use you to minister to someone else this morning? Maybe somebody's got an alabaster box today that they want to give, but they're just a little uncertain if he'll accept it, that, Maybe a little bit of encouragement. Maybe a word of encouragement will be what is needed to be willing to release. May seem small, may seem insignificant, but it very well may be worthy of a memorial. It very well may be worthy of a memorial. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I live for you, Lord. I live for you, Lord. Have your way in me, Jesus. Have your way in me, Jesus have your way in me, Jesus. Oh, I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm I give you my soul. I. to some people today that the faithfulness that you have exhibited the faithfulness with which you have lived for God has come up as a memorial the world may not know your name the world may not recognize you the world may not give you accolades but heaven recognizes you Heaven knows who you are every breath that I Oh, every moment My heart, I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm away. Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart. Give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm away. Lord, have Your way with me. If you need to go, whenever you're ready to go, you're welcome to do so. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Spirit of the Lord is still touching some hearts and lives, so please be mindful of those around you that may still be praying.